What's up, horror fans? Welcome back to a new episode of the 3FN Horror Show, right here on the 3FN Podcast Network. Of course, my name is Rich. I am your host here at 3FN Horror Show. I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. Joining me for this episode is a man who sits in a co-pilot's chair over on the 3FN Podcast. He is also known as the Gray Bearded Wizard. He's Ron. What's happening, people? And we are back for a new episode of the 3FN Horror Show. And on this show, we are going to be going over one of the Christmas classic horror movies. And that movie would be called Black Christmas. And we are going with the original 1974 version. There has been remakes, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, True. Some, some good, some not so good. But uh, we are going with the original 1974 Black Christmas for this episode of the 3FN Horror Show. And uh, as a friendly reminder, that is your spoiler warning. Because when we dive in, we dive in. So... Before we go any further, though, I would like to let you guys know if you would like to get a hold of the 3FN podcast with, on any social media site or you would like to hit us up on Patreon or TeePublic or anything else, you can find all of those links and more at 3FNpodcast.com. It is pretty awesome. It's a one-stop shop to find all of our links, including the Patreon link, 3FN podcast, uh, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast, I should say. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and really help the show. Also, their T Public link is there. And uh, friends of the show, like the ODPH podcast, uh, musical uh, directory where you can see the bands who allow us to use their music, including Obscure Form, who does the theme song here. It's called Nefarious. And uh, check them out on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And also the local sponsors, including the main local sponsor for the 3FN Horror Show, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. For all information and details about Sci-Fi Horror Fest, visit them on the World Wide Web, scifihorrorfest.com. Of course, the link is also at 3FNpodcast.com. Getting business out of the way early. And uh, Ron, yes. I know that we uh, get excited we do. about talking about horror films. We do. And I know that we get excited about great horror films, and this movie is one of the granddaddies of them all. There, it is. It is, you know, Black Christmas, uh, giving you a little bit of, of a peek if you didn't know, is talked about as one of the first modern slashers. Yes, it is. There's an argument that's gone down for a long time where the modern slasher starts. A lot of people believe it's Halloween in 1978. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other people who believe it is Black Christmas in 74 or Texas Chainsaw Massacre also in 74. Yep. Or some people even like to go all the way back to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho in 1960 as the original slasher film. Now, how I've always looked at this is I've looked at it as if you don't have one, you don't have the other. True. And I think it's just the building into the perfect form to take us into the golden era of horror, in my opinion, in the 1980s. And what I mean by that is I believe that Psycho is like the great grandfather of the, the modern horror film, if you will. Yeah. That is where we get a lot of suspense. You get to see, the, of course, the shower scene is definitely slasher-esque. I understand we don't get to see the wounds and stuff, but it was a black and white movie. And by the way, that, that freaked people out back then. Oh, yeah. yeah it did. And then when you hit the 74 and we get to, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where, you know, a lot of people always think it's gory, but the movie actually has very little gore in it. Yeah. But it is a movie where you have a chainsaw-wielding freak killing off people. And then... You go to Black Christmas where you have a killer stalking and picking off people. Yes. And all of these sound familiar because once you hit 
Halloween in 1978, Halloween puts together that psychological thriller aspect like Psycho. Yeah. It takes the stalking element of Black Christmas, Black Christmas and it borrows a lot from Black Christmas, yeah, believe it does. not. And then last but certainly not least, it also takes the, you know, killing off people in brutal ways for the time, especially from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Only adding a little bit of blood. Like, there's not a ton of blood in the original Halloween as well. No, there's not. But I think that it's sort of like the grandfather, the great-grandfather, then the grandparents of modern horror, then the parent of modern horror. And then you hit the 1980s, and we have, you know, the, the decade of fucking dominance for the modern slasher horror film. Yeah, I can see that. So that's just my personal opinion. Uh, everybody else falls on there, and it's fine. If you want to hit us up on the social medias, go ahead. Find those at 3FNPodcast.com and let us know. But that's how I've always sided on this. And that's why Black Christmas is such an important movie, because without Black Christmas, we don't get Halloween. True. And there's no way you could argue around that. And I'm sure when we're doing the review here in a little bit, we will definitely be talking about how the two are intertwined, if you will, especially with certain scenes where you're like, wow, they, I'm, I don't want to say stolen because I don't believe that John Carpenter stole any of it. No. But I do believe that John Carpenter took inspiration I in, certain, in certain shots I in this movie. And I, and I don't blame him. So before we dive in, let's get the synopsis of the film. From IMDb, there's some lengthy, lengthy, lengthy <laughs> ones. We're going to avoid the lengthy ones. Let's go with just a few of the smaller ones, shall we? So this is the, the shortest that we're going to get, and this is the one that's combined all of them. During their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not true. It's not false. It's not wrong. They didn't mention murder. Uh, so this is from a person named Ed Sutton on IMDb. It says, it's time for Christmas break and the sorority sisters make plans for the holiday. But the stranger anonymous phone calls are beginning to put them on edge. When Claire disappears, they contact the police who don't express much concern. Meanwhile, Jess is planning to get an abortion, but boyfriend Peter is very much against it. The police finally begin to get concerned within a 13-year-old girl is found dead in the park. They set up a wiretap to the sorority house, but will they be in time to prevent a sorority girl attrition problem question mark i don't know if that's the right way to say it but i love how he gives away most of the movie but then stop short of talking about the rest of the movie yeah that's weird so uh the 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 last one we'll read is olivia hussey and margot kidder star among an ill-fated house full of sorority sisters celebrating the holiday season festivities turn fatal when obscene phone calls break the serenity and it becomes clear that a psychopath is stalking the house that was written by clint weller uh for imdb as well I'm going to go with that one as my favorite. Yeah, that's solid. <laughs> it's still not great, but it's my favorite. It's solid, though. It works. So, Black Christmas was originally released on October 11th of 1974 with a runtime of 98 minutes. Like I said, that hour and a half to hour and yeah. 40 is that sweet spot, in my opinion. The director for Black Christmas is legendary director Bob Clark. Uh, Bob Clark, before he did... Black Christmas did Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which was one of those like yep. 1970s fucking really wild out there fucking movies, you know, like Blood Feast yeah. and, and yeah. such. Uh, then, of course, Black Christmas in 74. But after, here's here's some stuff that you might know. Porky's 1 and 2. Yep. And A Christmas Story. Yep. Bob Clark, responsible for those. Also, the Baby Geniuses movies. Oh, one and two. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that was later on. But he's I think he's most known for Black Christmas, Porky's, one, one especially, two is still there. And then, of course, A Christmas Story. 
And so he, he likes to dabble in Christmas, it looks like. Hey, whatever, man. Everybody's got their favorite holidays. Unfortunately, the legendary Bob Clark passed away on April 4th of 2007 at the age of 67. We're not going to get Black Christmas too yet? Uh, no, but he is still obviously credited uh, yeah. As, yeah. On, on all of them, but it's crazy. Uh, the screenplay for this movie was done by a man named Ray Moore. Ray Moore, prior to this and after this, mostly did a lot of like, uh, not even TV shows, but more like TV series like Dateline and such. Yes. Uh, but he did one other movie later on after Black Christmas. He wrote another movie. It was called The Last Chase. Yes. So outside of The Last Chase and Black Christmas, there was maybe one or two TV movies, but most of it was like for new stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. The cinematographer on uh, Black Christmas was Reginald H. Morris. Uh, before, he did a movie called A Name, of, a Name for Evil. After he was the cinematographer, pretty much for Bob Clark, because he did Porky's One and Two and A Christmas Story as oh, yeah. the cinematographer. I that. And uh, he did another Bob Clark film that I didn't mention earlier as his last film that he did was uh, Loose Cannons. Oh, okay. Uh, he died, unfortunately, on January 8th of 2004 at the age of 85. Yeah. So yeah. he made some masterpieces in there. That's for damn sure. So this is a pretty good legendary group of people that did not do a ton of stuff, but what they did was impactful. Yes, very much so. And especially in a time period where like, like, like a, a horror movie around Christmas wasn't like anybody's main idea. Like, like this was not like anything. They're just like, Oh, you know, they had an idea and they went with it. Yeah, I get it. But like, you know, horror movies back in the seventies, you know, they, it's like you said, you hit Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you hit, uh, this you hit you know even before like with Psycho and all that so like they're very they're spread apart yeah absolutely so so first up we have in the actors category we have the stars of this film uh, Olivia Hussey plays Jess mm-hmm. uh, before this she did the 1968 version of Romeo and Juliet as Juliet oh nice uh, after Black Christmas she did uh, the original Death on the Nile from 1978 she was in Psycho 4 oh yeah that's right most famously she was in the It miniseries yes the one from 1990 yep she plays bill's wife mm-hmm. and uh she was in a movie with our good friend uh reggie bannister ice cream man oh is that the one with uh clint howard yes he's in that as well oh. him and reggie wow bannister i pulled that out of my ass yeah yeah clint. <laughs> good 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 call there but yes he is in, uh, in ice cream man as well so next up uh cure doula who plays Peter, uh, and he had a gigantic role before this. He was in 2001 as Space yes, Odyssey. Yes, he was. Uh, one of the main characters in it as well. Yes. Uh, after this, he did uh, 2010, The Year We Made Contact, which was the sequel. Then he did a lot of smaller stuff, but it, it, none of the actors in this movie did a ton, a ton of work. Like There was nobody really except for the last person we'll mention that did like hundreds of things. It was more like in the 30 to 60 range. Right. Uh most recently, he was in Hunters. Oh, the, that's right. the show on uh, yeah, he was Prime. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, next up, Margot Kidder. She plays Barb. Uh, before this, she did a Quiet Day in Belfast. She was also doing a lot of war and yes. uh, uh, westerns. After we got to where we know her best from, she was Lois Lane in Superman. Yes, Superman's one through four. Uh, of course, the Christopher Reeve Supermans, the Donner flicks one through uh, three, and then I always forget who did the fourth because it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, also, she was in uh, the Am- the original Amityville Horror movie in 79. Yep. She would come out and uh, be in Delirious. Now, tying her into our first 3FN Rewind show, Ron, she, uh, which was on Lethal Weapon, she also was in an uncredited role in Maverick. 
as a as a guest person. Well, that's right. She was. Yeah. So her and Danny Glover did that. So that's kind of fun. Uh, also, she was in Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Yes, she was. Uh, unfortunately, Margot Kidder passed away on May 13th of 2018 at the age of 69. Truly missed. Yes. She will forever be my Lois Lane. I grew yes. up in that age, but oh, she yeah, is definitely. my Lois Lane. Last but certainly not least on the stars of this movie. Mind you, there was other people in the movie. We'll talk about them as we go through, but we only give the the, the bigger names, and that's going to be John Saxon. He played Lieutenant Ken Fuller before he was in a lot of Westerns, by the way, and Kung Fu flicks. Yes. Because he was in The Unforgiven, the 1960s version, The Evil Eye, and of course, everybody remembers him as the white man in Enter the Dragon. Yes. <laughs> he was uh, the, the 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 rich guy, the white the the but he was on the good side. Uh, him and Bruce Lee yes. fighting everybody off. And then uh, after his most notable movies, A Nightmare on Elm Street, part one and three, where he plays the uh, Heather Lane Camp's dad in the, yep. both movies. So uh, Nancy's dad in the movie script. And also uh, he was in Beverly Hills Cop 3. Mm-hmm. He reprised his, he played himself plus reprised his role in a weird way in Wes Craven's new nightmare. Uh, he was also in From Dusk Till Dawn, Unfortunately, the late he, we have to say he's the late great John Saxon because he died on July 25th of 2020 at the age of 83. But man, he left a hell of a yeah, hell of a fucking movie profile. I yeah. loved most of his films he was in. Yeah, if you, if you don't know who he is, you'll know who he is when you see him because he he was in a lot of stuff. He's great. I yeah. I, I can't say enough about John Saxon. Uh, I'm a huge Enter the Dragon guy. Yeah, I'm also. Uh, and this is no surprise you a huge Nightmare on Elm Street guy yeah. it's my favorite franchise in horror I know there's a lot of problems with it just my favorite franchise not my favorite movies just my favorite franchise yeah well I mean it gets all fixed because it's dreams there you go yeah. himself. he would have had a bigger role in Dream Warriors if you read those original scripts maybe sometime we'll do a splinter off something where we can talk about scripts that never got made because that original Wes Craven script for Dream Warriors was fucking crazy was it all right, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll have to tell I, you I about think, it I think sometime. you told me bits and pieces of it but I, I've, it's fucking amazing I, I, I just started finding uh, scripts uh, for movies that, that didn't get made uh, and yeah. I just started like I, I don't read them page per page I just glance through them for like the key parts because I just did it with Transformers the movie mm-hmm. the the animated one from 86 and I'm just like wow this is a totally different movie oh yeah <laughs> like, uh, speaking of which if you don't think this ties into Black Christmas there is a script for Black Christmas 2 that uh, never got made uh, that was going to be directed by Bob Clark as well so yeah. I, uh, I, I knew that that, that's can, why tie in, that can tie yeah. in somewhere uh, so the budget of Black Christmas $620,000 Wow, six hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's all they. That's all they. They paid to make this movie. But, but I mean, that's that's a, that's it's a pretty chunk of change. It's a chunk of change. I, I would say it equates to probably like five million dollars a day. Yeah. Close. Yeah. But that's still a low. That's a low budget. It's a low budget. It is. I'm just saying it's, it's for back then. It's all. It seems you know inflation. It's. it's I know. Like, I know it gets tricky. 1974 money. What do you think this made in the box office? I can tell you it was a success. Uh, 1974. Uh, it was six. Six hundred twenty thousand. It was a success. By I can tell you this: it's it's in millions. All right, so twelve million. Man, you way too high in seventy four. Oh. Four point one million. Four point one. Four point one. But still, I, I, that no, six hundred twenty thousand dollar movie. Yeah, I, I was. My original guess was going to be five, but then I went into nineties mode movies. Went okay, eighties mode movies. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just, I it, it's amazing. Six hundred twenty thousand. Four point one million. Great movie. Great turnout. Yeah. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk about the movie once again. We don't. We're there's no spoiler free portion. This is a movie from 1974. If you haven't seen it already, stop and watch it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why you haven't seen Black Christmas if you're a horror fan, but you should definitely see it if you haven't. And so 
we come into this movie and like you said we don't go through necessarily scene for scene we will talk about scenes in this movie we just talk about likes and dislikes but i have to talk about the opening scene of this movie because when we talk about inspiring and there's no halloween without black christmas we're talking about the opening of this fucking film. Yeah. Because the opening of this film is POV from the killer's perspective of him breaking into the sorority house and then making his way through the sorority house before we ever kind of get down and have the movie start with the girls. It's a POV shot. Now, now, mind you, it is not a single shot like was used in Halloween. Right. There is edits. However... It is still from the killer's POV. We still see him, you know, look and peek into the windows, then climb up the lattice, climb into the open window that's in the attic, and then descend down from the attic into the house and creeping around the house while not being seen. That's the opening of this film. Yeah. And I think that that's super impressive because later on, Carpenter would use a similar style to open up Halloween. So you don't have one without the other. Just like... After we get to meet all the sorority people, we find out what the just of the story is. You get to meet all, all the girls downstairs, which Jess is there and Barb getting shit face wasted. <laughs> yeah, uh, Phil and then Claire. And Claire is played by Lynn Griffin and uh, Phil is played by Andrea Martin, if you would like to know. And then Mrs. Matt comes home, who is back then. They used to have the house mother yes. at these sorority houses. And she's played by Marion Weldman. <laughs> and she comes home and she is an interesting character throughout this movie. She does not care that the girls are getting shit faced. No, her herself gets shit faced. Oh, she, she's so charming. And we'll talk about the likes in a minute with her. <laughs> and I love that character. But I want to continue with this because the similarities. We get the phone call from the stranger that keeps calling the house. There's, yes. a, there's a perverted, as they point out, there's a perverted stranger who is calling the house and he's making weird noises. Like, and it's really insane weird noises. Yeah. But occasionally you hear, Billy, Billy. And he's yeah. like, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> like the second time he calls. Where, where's Billy? Yeah. Where's Billy? And then like, like the, I don't think this is in the first call. I think it's in the second call where he's like, I just want to I just, I just lick, lick your pussy. And yeah. Like, like, and it's just like. Okay. Like, He's like, I just want to look your pussy. I just want to put my tongue in it. Billy, Billy. Just put my tongue in it. Just, 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 just let me put my tongue in it. I'm like, it's, it's fucking wild, right? Dude, it's, it's, that's, a wild, that's a wild scene, like, overall. Like, in the, you know, obviously, uh, the actresses are actually playing really well with this whole thing. Because, A, one's just passing it off. Like, oh, here you go. It's it's for you again, because they already know what it is. And then she's just like. And Barb gets on. And, and Barb she's gets wasted on. And she's yeah. talking shit. It's yeah. great. So Claire gets a little freaked out by this because it's been happening a few times. Right. And she's like, well, I'm glad I'm going home. So she goes upstairs, start packing to go home. And like the only reason we're setting this all up and not, like I said, we won't go through this whole picture scene for scene, but the similarities where Halloween is, is that when she's packing, she goes in and out of the closet, when she hears something in the closet, she goes and she thinks it's the cat again. And it's not. It's the killer yeah. who then suffocates her with, well, a, with a bag and yes. moves her to the attic and puts her in a rocking chair. And I understand it's not the same as, you know, uh, Michael Myers killing his sister, but it's in that same vein. Yeah. And it's and puts in a rocking chair by the window. Yes. Right by the window with a candlelight. Yep. So, which is interesting that the whole movie, they don't, nobody looks up. Nobody, nobody looks in, like, nobody explores the house. Nobody goes in the attic, and then nobody yeah. looks up to and see the, there, there's a candlelight in the fucking window, yeah. and there's something there. You might not be able to tell it's a human. There's something there right. with a candlelight. Which is weird. But, but you know, hey, yeah, <laughs> let's not go bring logic to this. So, 
let's get into our likes and stuff. And I know I already mentioned Mrs. Mac because you find out shortly thereafter because Claire's father comes to town looking for Claire. And then this is where you get most exposed to Miss Mac. Miss Mac lets these girls have you know stuff on the walls that they shouldn't have yeah. inappropriate things and she is a big time alcoholic we find out she hides alcohol and <laughs> cutouts in books she hides alcohol in the tank you of know, the toilets which is a dirty freaking <laughs> back tank of a toilet too like mrs mac though is badass am i wrong in that? oh no she she's great obviously like you don't get too much of a history on her in this movie but she obviously was a sorority girl uh, i would think i would take and she just never found you know mr right and she just became the house mother to make sure you know keep things in check but she was a party girl and she's she, still getting that party she's, on. she's still doing the party and she has her cat that is through this whole movie looking for this cat yeah oh yeah <laughs> so i, I want to go to a dislike because there's a lot that i like about this film but the one dislike that i don't like about this film is that there is a ton of plot armor in this True. film that is and i understand plot armor is everywhere but it's always in a dislike form when it gets ridiculous because they go to the police station to file a missing persons report with the father and the and the cops just ignore them. Yeah, yeah. Like the cop at the desk just ignores them. Yes. And, and to the point where it's funny because we get Margot Kidder as Barb uh, give tell him that their number is fellatio. Yeah. And of course everybody makes fun because the guy doesn't know any fucking better. Yeah. And it's really really fucking weird. Uh, that that would be Sergeant Nash played by Doug McGrath by the way. In the meantime. They end up going, uh, Jess, who's kind of, you know, in a lot of ways you could call her the Survivor Girl, but I don't think she is. I think this is before Survivor Girl. Yeah. I would think, like, the, the concept of Survivor Girl, to me, is more is more linked to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Texas True. Chainsaw Massacre, because, uh, you know, Hardesty, she's more of a, a final girl, what would become, like, Laurie Strode kind yeah. of thing in, in Halloween. And in this movie, we'll get to it. I don't think that there really is a final girl. But if there was, if this was later on, I think she would be your final girl, right? Yeah, I guess that. So she goes and meets with Claire's boyfriend and says, who's a hockey player on the hockey team. Now, mind you, Black Christmas was made in Canada, too. So I guess yeah. it's important to point out that he's on a hockey team. Because then he goes to the police station and shit happens. Like, he's like, I don't know where my girlfriend is. But, you know, but, and then that's when Lieutenant Fuller comes out, played by John Saxon, and is like, yeah. oh, come into my office. Yeah. It's just weird that this hockey player yeah. on the college team goes in and, in his big fur coat <laughs> and he fucking lays down the smackdown. And when they came in with the father of the girl, they're like, no, nah, Nash yeah. is like, no, nah, you know, she's probably off partying. Yeah. Probably spent the night at some guy's house. She's talking about, basically tells her dad that she's a hussy. Yeah. Pretty much. In, 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 in no subtle words. Yeah. So, like, I always thought that that was fucking odd and weird. It was weird. And it's just like, but it's plot armor because if not, the story ends quicker. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a weird thing because that becomes a thing because Sergeant Nash is the fucking bumbling idiot that does a lot of things wrong in this film. Oh, yeah. And that continues on throughout the film. Two plot armor makes sense because we'll get, uh, I, I don't want to go into the finish now, but this will come back up when we go towards the finish of this movie. But there is an underplot line in this movie, Ron. And for a movie that takes place in 1974, I think it's a very important underplot, uh, underplot line that does touch on today. And that is that Jess, our main character, she is uh, in a relationship with our, <laughs> with our piano playing friend, uh, Peter. Yes. And he's going to be this magical piano player. Well, when she goes to see him, she tells him that she's pregnant mm -hmm. and that she plans on having an abortion. Which is her right. We're right. So she goes and tells him she's going to have an abortion. He says, I have this big thing to play in front of like 
you know, these important people. Can we, can I come over and talk to you about this later? Because he wants to keep the child. Yes. So she goes ahead and, you know, everything else goes on. Uh, in the meantime, this teenage girl comes up missing, which is just literally this teenage girl is a red herring. Yes. And so now the police and a local mob, if you will, because they're armed to the teeth. We mm. find that out later on, uh, are searching for Claire and this teenage girl and they find the body of the teenage girl. So everybody's on high security. While all of this is happening, you know, Mrs. Mack ends up getting the axe. Yes. Not literally the axe, but she ends up dying off screen and she's put up in the in the attic of horrors as well. Yeah, oh, she was looking for her cat and it, it sounded like it was coming from the attic. So she went, She she's the only one that went up to the attic and she lost her life for it. Uh, yeah, she uh, swinging a swinging hook yep. that swings perfectly, hits her and it's off screen so you don't see it, hits her and pulls her up and then she's finished off off screen. Yep. But still kind of fucking interesting. So. The girls start coming back to the house because Claire hasn't been found. The father's still like, you know, egging on the pops. And I thought that this is where you get into Red Herring Central. And this is what this movie does so well. Yeah. And this is one of my big likes. And that's why I wanted to talk about this. And I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. on this. Red Herring Central comes because now one of the main suspects is Peter. Yes. Because Peter is now, you know, he's stalking outside the house. Uh, he corners Jess and gets real mad that she chose to look for her friend over talking to him. Yes. And then he proceeds to go on and very upset about the abortion tells her that, you know, you can just quit your dreams and stuff and I'll take <laughs> care of us. And she's like, that's unacceptable. That's not fucking going to happen pretty much. And to which his response is you'll pay for this. Yes. And fucks off. Yeah, and which is basically 1970s mentality for a man in that time that wanted a child and like, no, you, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna give up your hopes and dreams because I want you to have this child and not even like, oh, I think abortion's wrong or anything like that. It's just I want you to have this child. I mean, in this day and age, like that's definitely not the way to go. But like, he, you you get that whole catch, like, oh, he's the one that's doing all this, right? And then he does that right in front of Lieutenant Fuller. Yeah. So now Fuller's like. I think it's this kid. Yeah. So I think that it's great. This is one of the best red herrings in all the movies. Yeah. No, because it, it's done so well. Like you really feel that it's him. Like all Absolutely. the way, all the way to the end. Absolutely. I know we kind of ruined it there, but once again, no. we already told you spoilers, motherfuckers. Yeah. But no, like <laughs> even knowing that rewatching this movie, um, I remember I didn't watch it right away when you guys were talking about it. I watched it uh, later, like with like last year, I think I watched it for the first time. And it's, uh, or first time I remember. And it's, you know, it was like, okay. And then I rewatched it last night as well. And like, you still feel it. Like, it's done so well, even on a rewatch or even knowing the twist. Like, it's done so well that I don't think there's many horror movies that actually pull this off. No, I agree with you completely. So, this leads into them installing the wiretaps which I also thought was ingenious. Now, this is what a smarter portion. Like earlier, when I'm talking about plot armor and the cops doing stupid shit, Fuller installing the wiretaps and also having an officer outside, I'm like, okay, they do know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And uh, at, at one point, Jokes on the wiretaps, they pick up Peter calling. Like yeah. the stranger calls, and then Peter calls. Yes. And this also starts reaffirming to Lieutenant Fuller, who's listening to these fucking phone calls, that this motherfucker's the killer, right? Yeah. That's when we get probably my favorite kill from this movie because 
uh, they put Barb to bed, played by Margot Kidder, mm-hmm. and they put her to bed because she's fucking wasted. She's <laughs> white girl wasted. <laughs> and in the meantime, we've gotten a couple phone calls, and then there's carolers at the door. So Jess is watching the carolers. Phil is upstairs in her room, presumably sleeping. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Barb has, or no, before the carolers come, Barb has a fucking, she starts screaming. So up runs Jess to check on her. And she's like, I had a nightmare. There, I thought there was somebody in the room, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you know, and, and she's like, okay. You know, puts her back to bed, gets her calmed down. Then she goes downstairs and the carolers are there. Uh, I said it backwards. I apologize. And guess what? It wasn't a fucking dream. The killer is in the room and he takes her crystal unicorn yep. and stabs her to fucking death. <laughs> well, the carolers are singing and it's intersplicing between her being stabbed to death and the carolers. The, the song is playing the whole time, yeah. but it's intersplicing the two and I'm like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it's one of the best kills in horror movies, period. Period, not just in this movie. No, I agree. I agree. It's solid. It's all the way. Like, this movie set the groundwork for so much stuff. So now, you know, Phil has come back down because, you know, there's been some news on Claire, although it's not really news on her. And she goes back upstairs to check on Barb. And that's when she discovers that Barb is dead. And then the slowest door closed behind her scene of all time. (laughs) She gets killed off screen. But like the, the way that door closes, there's no how didn't she scream or try to fucking get away? Like, you, you know. know what I mean? That's one of my dislikes from this film. She tell didn't me. Know. Yeah, the door closed the slowest <laughs> I've ever seen with her looking right after whoever was closing the door when you see in the camera. I think that was a mistake in the yeah, movie. It was It was a little bit of a mistake. I mean, plot armor. I mean, it's just there. Like, it's just how it was written, or she just didn't react the way they wanted it to, or they t- did the scene a couple different times, and that was the cut that they got. Like, there's a couple different things that could have happened there. So going on into the third act, and it's important here with the the scenes are definitely going to be important to bring up with our likes and dislikes is that we keep getting calls. Finally, they can trace one of the calls because remember, this is old school mentality and you find out that the uh, it has to be, you know, kept on the phone for X amount of seconds was yeah. bullshit. But back then that was the mentality. So that's what they use for this movie. And so... They finally can trace the call, and what do we find out? We find out the old urban legend plus a stranger calls line of the calls from in coming from in the house. What? So basically, Fulton tells Nash, hey, or Fuller, I said Fulton. Fuller tells Nash, hey, call the house and don't tell them yeah. what's going on. Just tell <laughs> them to get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, we have an officer there. He's not responding. By the way, when we find out he's not responding, why is he not responding, Ron? Because he's dead. Yeah, he's got his neck slit. He's dead. He's, <laughs> he's in the cop car he, with his sliced neck. He's just sleeping. Yeah, he, he's, he's taking sleeping. a nap. He's just taking a nap. He's, like, he's sleeping on the job. Sleeping on the job with that big gash <laughs> in his neck. Uh, but, yeah, so we get the part where Nash calls, and, of course, in true fucking Nash fashion, tells her, hey, you got to go. Put the fu- I, I want you to put the phone down. Don't hang it up. Just put it down. Go out the front door and the cop, you know, go to the cop car. Go to the cop car. Yeah. And she's like, but but my friends are here. And he goes, listen, just go. Just, I need you to do this. Listen to me. (laughs) The cops are on their way. Everything will be fine. Just go. Just get out of the house. And just get out of the house. And then finally she keeps it up. And mind you, she's being fucking difficult. Yeah. So I can't blame this all on Nash, but finally Nash is like, the call is coming from inside the house. Yep. She's like, huh? Yes, the the, the the stranger's in the house. Get the fuck out of the house, man. That means, you know, like, I, I feel kind of bad for him because he's, like, trying everything he can. And he's like, he's, you're in fucking danger. Get the fuck out. 
Just get the fuck out. What are you doing? In typical female fashion, she had... In complete, <laughs> typical fucking horror movie fashion, she equips herself with a fucking uh, fire poker and, and goes upstairs. <laughs> Mind you, that they do a great job. One of the great likes in this movie, suspense is great. In yes, movie. it is. And they do an amazing job with the suspense in yeah. this scene as well. And she's going up the stairs. There's little noises going on. You don't know what's going on. She opens Barb's room door and she finds Phil and Barb dead. She's freaking out. Now, also while she's freaking out, though, she has the wherewithal to look around and she sees an eye staring out from a crack <laughs> in the door at her. Ooh, and instead of, instead, instead of being caught by the fucking uh, door clo- slowly closing on her, she gets the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. Well, he's talking about Biddy. Because now you see here, you're hearing him in real yeah. life. So she's trying to get out the door. And earlier in the movie, they do a, a, a nice little bit of plot armor. And this is actually a good piece of plot armor is when Mrs. Mack comes home, she she can't open the door with the groceries. She bitches about how the door's sticking yeah. and they have to get somebody to fix it. So when she's trying to leave the house, the door's stuck. She can't open the fucking door. Yeah. And I'm like, that is ingenious. In the meantime of all this happening, Peter is outside still stalking the fucking sorority house. Yeah. So eventually... Uh, the killer almost gets Jess. Jess ends up in the basement, locks the door. The killer's trying to get into the basement. Struggle, struggle, struggle. Can't get in the basement. Jess goes into the basement. Next thing we know, she's you know she's on edge. Every shadow, every noise. Suspense is wonderful. This is one of yeah. the great things in this movie. She sees fucking Peter at the window. Hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Jess, are you in there? Are you, are you in, in there? there? Are you okay? Because it's frozen outside. It's ice on the outside, so he's doing the whole... And she says, stay away. Get away. Because yeah. now she thinks in her head that Peter's the fucking killer. Which, actually, you're still kind You're not 100% sure he's not part of the killer. Exactly. Like, that's, that's why this movie's yeah. great. And you know what he does? He does what a killer would do. He smashes the window and comes into the basement. Yeah. And she's telling him, she literally, this is the best part about this this whole scene, is she's not acting irrationally. She's telling him that she doesn't feel safe. She's telling him that she thinks she's he's the killer. She, yeah. he t- she straight out tells him. And instead of taking those signs, here's your fucking sign, idiot. <laughs> he keeps coming at her like, no, I would never do that. I would never hurt you and our baby and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And you're just like... This is the shit that a killer would say. Yeah. So we get this. This is this is one of my dislikes. There's a lot of off-screen kills in this movie. Yeah. I get it. It's 74, but the, I wish we would have gotten some more, including this one. Yeah. Because the next thing we know, the cops bust into the 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 basement. You know, we hear some shit, and then yeah. the cops bust into the basement. And when they bust in the basement, Peter's head is laying on Jess's lap. He did. Did. She kills him with a fucking... She beat the fuck out of him with that poker and kills him. Well, it was either that or the baby. I Well, I think, <laughs> I think, I think she went for double homicide. I think she ended up killing both. However, I don't know if she makes it out alive, hence why she's not a final girl. We'll talk yeah. about that, because yeah. the, the ending of this movie is, mwah, chef's kiss. We see the scene. Next thing we get is we get Lieutenant Fuller, Claire's dad, for some reason. Yeah, you know, and you, then you don't see that death. And then some, and then some nurses and stuff, and a doctor in the in inside of Jess's room. She's laying in bed, and they're like, "Oh, she's just you know stressed out." <laughs> That's what they use back then for yeah. the word. She's just stressed out. She's just going to need some time to sleep it off. She'll be okay. Fuller goes, "I knew it was that Peter kid the whole time." Yep. And they get up, and then uh, Claire's dad, they assume now they kind of tell Claire that him that his daughter's dead, which they don't find the body. No. They never find the body, but they assume because of this that she's dead. Yeah. And he faints, and they carry him out, and everybody leaves the room and turns the light off and closes the door. And as everybody's leaving, we get this great fucking camera shot. Great fucking camera shot. It goes back up to the basement or to the attic. We see that the bodies are still there. 
we got we hear and we hear breathing. Yep. And we hear bit bitty. Bit bit bitty. And it backs up and it just music starts to play and it just slowly backs up because so you know that you're seeing Claire's face and it just backs up to the point where you can't see her anymore, but you can see the whole house is and yeah. that's where we end. And yeah. I thought that was a genius fucking ending to a film. Yeah, it was. Solid. That's why I said you can't count Justice Survivor Girl. Billy's still in the fucking house. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the killer's name, obviously. And uh, even though we've never gotten to see him, meet him, or backstory in this movie. Yeah. But still, Billy's got to be his name, or that's what we're going to assume because he keeps calling saying Billy. Yeah. And she's in the house sleeping. The killer's there. Yeah. She's going to die. Yeah, I agree. So. I, I mean, it's definitely one of those movies where, like, A, not never actually seeing the killer. It's solid. Oh, yeah. They're like, like that's definitely something that I don't think any uh, horror movie has done since so well. Like, and I mean, this is a review show. I know we spoiled earlier on that the red herring of Peter, but when you're watching this dude, movie, and I hope you're not watching it for the first time after listening to this, but if when you're watching this movie, there's a part of the movie where you go, especially your first time, it's fucking Peter. Yeah, well, you even, think it's Peter? Even rewatching it, knowing the the, the twist, like it, it still feels like you still get the feels. Like you're like, this is done that well that you think it, you still think it's him, and. Then if it, if you take off that last little pan back and him talking, you would like you would think it was him. You would think it was him without hearing him. That's why that's ingenious because as they come through the attic and you still see Mrs. Mac's body's there, Claire's body's still there, which is important to know that they never got Claire's body. And then you hear the breathing in the Billy. B- B- yeah. You know that he it wasn't fucking Peter. It yeah. was this Billy character. Yep. I thought it was ingenious. Is there any more likes or dislikes you want to discuss that we didn't go over? No, I mean, overall, for a movie, a horror movie made in the 70s, like, it's done very well. Like like you said, the cinematography was great. Uh, the ambience of, you know, everything going around, the, you know, like, it's solid. Um, the, the score wasn't horrible. It was actually worked well. They didn't overdo it. They didn't underdo it. Uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, one of those movies that you need to see. And I know I saw it late because I kind of always forgot about it. But I, I've enjoyed it every time I've watched it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm there. Like I said, my di- big biggest dislikes in this movie is there's a couple times where you're like, "Why the fuck is that a thing?" And you, you got to remember, you know, we're trying to get device to device, yeah. and it, that's fine. Uh, I, but there's so much genius in this movie, like the red herrings yeah. and the fact that the killer is never known. <laughs> like yeah, you never, never, you get to see a brief, like, like shadowy face of the killer. Yeah, but you, you don't, get, but you don't get to see see the killer. And also, like the most interactions you have, and that's why we all assume the killer's name is Billy, is because he keeps saying Billy on the phone in between all the other vile shit he's yeah. saying on the phone. I, mean, I just want to stick my tongue in it. Let's fucking get my tongue up in there. Yeah, yeah, he's oh, basically yeah. talking about raping these girls. He also, he, he, he's starting, uh, after Barb talks shit to him in the beginning, he's like, yeah, you're all going to fucking die. Yeah. So yeah, he's well, like, he, like, I'm like, gonna, I'm fucking kill you. Yeah, I'm fucking kill you. Yeah. Yeah, after, after I stick my tongue in your pussy. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. He might have, he might have, he might have killed them first and then stuck his tongue in. That's my, that yeah. might have been a threesome in that room. Might have been. Post, post-mortem. He might, might be necrophilic. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I mean, in the remake, they dive into who Billy is and they don't leave it in. And that's one of my detractions from the remake. Uh, we will be reviewing that next year, the original remake of this film, because I do think that there is some good parts of that movie. Uh, there's some parts I don't like. Uh, and we'll, we'll be reviewing that. I can tell you in Christmas season next year, Black Christmas remake is what nice. we'll be reviewing. Um, so with that, I, I there's just a mixed bag. Like I said, my dislikes are, are, are just kind of like, hey... You know, the, the plot armor is fucking annoying at times. 
Like that is there's a lot of it. Like especially early on. But like the story doesn't really need it. Right. And that was my I think that's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Like, why do we need the hockey boyfriend? Because they don't even use him as a red herring. No. They just use him as a way to get the cops to listen. And it's like, but why wouldn't the cops listen to the father yeah. of the girl that's missing? Yeah. Like and, that's the kind of and, shit that confuses and no, me. Nobody's searching anywhere in the house. Like Yeah. The, the whole time she's in the fucking attic. Yeah. Do you mean nobody thought about going to the attic? The killer probably is hanging in the attic as well. Right. Which we're, you know, we're implied to believe. So you're like, why? Who the fuck? Who? I mean, the cops have come to the house. The the detectives at the house, and nobody was like, hey, let's just walk every room of the house. Yeah, let's just, let's just go through. Which hey, is- why is this ladder in the fucking? <laughs> why is there an open hole? Because remember, the fucking door to the attic is or the the drop door to the attic is open the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It gets opened by the killer early on, yep. and it never gets shut. Yeah. Because that's how Mrs. Mack ends up up there because yeah. she hears the she hears the cat and she goes, oh, the attic door is open. How'd that happen? Yep. And she climbs the fucking ladder so nobody walked past that ladder and went like oh there's an open attic door this must go to the attic let's check the attic especially in the winter you know where all the heat goes (laughs) or just look at the house from out front because you could have seen that there was candlelight in the attic somebody sitting in a rocking chair you might have not been able to make out the person i'll give credit to that because of the ice on the window but you would make the flickering of a flame and go why the fuck is there a, a, a candle in the attic yeah like when it, or at least it would tip you off that hey, there's an attic. Maybe we should check that. Yep. Like so that that's that is always driven me nuts about this <laughs> fucking movie. Always driven me nuts. And I, I guess if that's the worst attraction, it's it's pretty fucking good, right? Right. Well, before we give our scores, we got to find out what the scores from around the internet is, and we're gonna have a little fun with that because. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> It is time to play the game. We are going to give out the different scores around the internet. And Ronald, because he's playing by himself, is going to try to be either five five points above or below. So 5% on percentage ones and then the points on the point one. So if he's within those parameters, he gets the point. If he can get three points, he wins. If not, the house wins. I'm going to lose. You're going to lose the house. Well, you know, on the last episode of 3FN, well, the very first episode of 3FN Rewind, I should say, but it was the last bonus thing we did. You did lose against did the lose. house. I did lose. I, I just want to get <laughs> Horribly out there, too. Can you redeem yourself is Probably the question not. here. You don't think you can? Come on. Have faith in yourself. You've been killing it on the 3FN podcast. Because I just play off Diesel at that point. That's true. You do have to only beat one person. All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. First up, we have IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they get? Black Christmas 74. 7.8. So fucking close, Ron. 7.1 out of 10. Damn it. Metacritic out of 100%. What did they give? Black Christmas 74. 75. I really want to give it to you, but it's five above or below, but I'll give it to you just because I want it. It's 65%. 65. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 10% sway here. So I, I, I'm rooting for you right now. I, I, that's, that's the one I'm going to give to you. Next time, it's got to be within 5%. I make the rules up here, so I can, I'm making this interesting. I'm trying to bring your confidence up. Rotten Tomatoes. Critic score out of 100%. Black Christmas 74. I'm going with Lethal Weapon logic here that it was higher, so I'll say 75 again. 75? You earned it this time. 71%. Nice. Next up, Rotten Tomatoes fan score for Black Christmas 74. Uh, 79. Ron, you got it. You won. 75%. Nice. So you did win. Nice. Now, let's let's see if you can get the final one and make it a 82. real win. You're going to call it with 82? 82. You know what? <laughs> That's right, Ron. You beat the house. You beat 
beat the house, it was 87%. Yeah, that's right. And uh, beating, beating, be, by beating the house, you actually got three on your own, we, and I gave you one, so four. Nice. So four out of five. Look at that redemption story for Ron. But now that we are out of the clear and giving the internet's totals, there's only one thing left to do. It's to give our scores for the movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's right, and we are going to give the nerd score followed by my critic score. Of course, reminding everybody the nerd score is a recommendation score that is based off of our critic score and how entertained we are. So if we don't think it's really critically good, but it was still entertaining as shit, it could still get a higher score on the nerd scale. The levels are simple. A one is no. That means it's a terrible film that you should never watch. A two is you've been warned, which is, it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. You've been warned. A three is, ah, it's good. That's an average to good movie that you don't need to go out of your way to see, but if you do end up seeing it, you won't regret seeing it. A four is just take my money. That means that it's going to be an essential film that you should go out and see. Maybe even add to your collection. Definitely add to your rotation. These are a must-watch see movies because they are very good to great. And last but certainly not least is the rarefied air. It's the five spot, which is certified nerd. These are saved for all of those legend, wait for it, dairy films. And of course, like Jaws, Jurassic Park, the original Halloween, which we've talked about on this a little bit. We also gave our review of it, but we've talked about it on this show because it does tie in so closely to Black Christmas 74. So with the scale being given out, Ronald. What is your nerd score and why for Black Christmas 1974? All right, this is uh, going to be a four for me. Uh, there's just enough little things that just to track it down to from the five, but it's one of those. It's definitely uh, a suspenseful movie where even from the 70s, you know, 74, and they do so many things so well that it keeps it up there. This is one of those older horror movies that you can. You know, like we said it before, if you think your kid can handle something like a suspenseful movie, like the kills aren't really doesn't show a lot, doesn't show a lot of blood, doesn't show. So you could if you want to feel if your kid's mature enough and can you want can handle horror movies. This was one of those ones you can show kind of like Halloween. Uh, it's it does solid. It's definitely one of those movies that I think Halloween did a little bit better later, but has taken parts from so. When I make lists for people for essential movies to watch, especially in this case, essential horror movies, which I have done for, for many people, this is one of my movies on that list. If you've never seen Black Christmas, in the 1974 version specifically, uh, this is an essential horror film to see. For me, this is a five. This is Certified Nerd. Uh, it's one of the godfathers, if you will, of True. the modern horror tropes. And it does it in a really good way. Yes, I do not like the plot armor in this movie because it's unnecessary for the most part. You didn't even need it. Uh, there's a little bit of side shit that you didn't need from this movie. It's not that the movie's too long, so I'm not saying cut it for time purposes. I also didn't like the fact that, you know, there was not a lot of uh, on-screen kills. The one on-screen kill we get is phenomenal. Yeah, Everything else is off-screen. And yes, sometimes, I mean, I guess he's suffocating Claire in the beginning's on-screen, but it it's not a very, a, you know, brutal kill, if yeah. you will, like the Barb kill in this movie. So that's the only kill in this movie that's like, oh, shit, that's a great kill. And But sh I think they could have done great kills in this movie. And this is of an era where there was, you know, movies, as we pointed out, like Blood Feast and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre showed us, even though people you know, in their mind's eyes saw that it was super gory when it wasn't. 
uh, which is kind of like one of the fun facts about that movie. This movie could have done something similar and given us the kills and just maybe toned down the gore if they wanted. So those are my detractions from this film. With that being said, the suspense in this movie is phenomenal. The actual story in this movie is phenomenal. I give them kudos for doing, in 1974, the abortion subplot and actually doing it in a really good way. True. Like, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's a stretch that's there. It's not a message that, you know, we were like, oh, shit, they just threw that shit in. I'm sure that he wanted to put the message in there, and obviously that's why it was there. However, it was a really good way of doing it. It wasn't didactic at all. And I thought it fit in because that helps you really think that Peter's the killer. True. So, like, part of that red herring to make you think Peter's the killer is based upon that abortion angle as well. So, I mean, it, it does tie a part into the movie. So there's a lot of good shit in this movie in the in the best streets. No, oh, I can see that. Now, with that said, because of the detractions of this movie, this is on the lower. This is actually a lower score than I give most uh, certified nerds. And if you listen to the three FN show proper, the flagship show, you know that if I give a movie an eight and a half, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's certified nerd because I've given movies before an eight and a half and they were a four. Uh, it's kind of that cutoff line for me. Yeah. Uh, anything above an eight and a half can it, eight and a half can be, but it can't be. And in this movie, yes, I gave it a certified nerd and I give it an eight and a half out of 10. I do take a point and a half away from this. It's a full point lower than Halloween. If you remember when I gave yeah. my Halloween score of nine and a half and the reasons why is the things that Halloween improved on were that much more noticeable. Four years later, the perfect, uh, the almost perfect form of this particular movie hits the uh, the, the theaters True. in Halloween. And that is why I think that most people who haven't seen Black Christmas have never watched Black Christmas because they have, you know, saw Halloween and didn't go back. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame those people, but I think you're missing a lot of cool stuff. And this is one of those movies that you should go back and see, just like you should go back and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just like you should go back and watch Psycho from 1960. And I can promise you that within this year or maybe, you know, coming up sometime, we will be reviewing all of those films. So uh, we're just have we knocked off Halloween. We've now knocked off Black Christmas within the next year. I will knock off Texas Chainsaw and Psycho because I believe that they should be done in the first year of 3FN Horror Show because they are essential films. True. Uh, that doesn't really give away the score for them, per se, because I can tell you that they're not all certified nerd, <laughs> no. but I can I can tell you that they are essential films. So that should give away at least, you know, whatever. But yeah. I don't care about giving it away. It's more about the review. And I, yeah. I think this movie is very good. I think this movie needs to be watched. Even you giving it a four is great because it's an essential film. It should be watched. Oh, yeah, it should be. I Like I said, I, I think there was just enough that it just, to, for me. But that's just me. I understand my tastes are a little different, especially in horror, than yours is. Uh, I just enjoy them, which is funny because my mother just had a conversation with me. She's like, I don't even know who you are. She's like, you're going to watch all these horror movies. Like, nobody in the family watches horror movies. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is just a product of the 80s and 90s. Like, you know, you just had the run of Nightmare on Elm Street, run of uh, Friday the 13th, run of Halloween. Like, it was just movies we were watching. So I just, like, I watch, but I don't, I'm not a connoisseur as you are. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. But you know what? Everybody has their opinions. It's art. It's subjective. Speaking of which, if you would like to give you give us your take on Black Christmas 1974, hit us up on those social medias. If you don't know what the so- our social medias are, it's simple. For that information, go right to 3FNPodcast.com. While you're there, check out the link for Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. If you would like to spare a dollar and help support us for as little as a dollar a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, including everything we do. You get it early. On top of that, 
you know, you can check out the T Public link and buy some swag. We love to see nerdware in the wild. We're going to be getting some new stuff in the new year. I got some designs that are getting done. They're just going to be fucking awesome. And then uh, we also have friends of the show like the ODPH. You can go over there, get the links to their website. Also, you can listen to the show right from our website, 3FMPodcast.com, as well as the musical directory with the bands that provide us with music so we can, uh, you know, not get those uh, dreaded DMCAs uh, from the providers. Of course, shout outs to Obscure Form, who does the theme song for... Three FN Horror Show. Check them out on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, check out our local sponsors, including the main sponsor for the Three FN Horror Show, Sci Fi Horror Fest, going down August twenty fifth and twenty sixth in Vernon, New York. Of course, that's twenty twenty three. But we have already started celebrity announcements, including Felissa Rose will be at Sci Fi Horror Fest. And right now, there is a sale going on for weekend passes and day passes on the website. It's going on through. Christmas Eve. So check out everything and get all the information from sci-fi-horrorfest.com. If you don't remember the website, it is at 3fnpodcast.com. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the 3FN Horror Show. We will be back by, by, at later in the month for the second episode of 3FN Horror Show for the month, and it will be the legendary Jamie Lee Curtis starring Terror Train to bring in the new year. It's a what? New Year's horror movie. We'll bring in the new year that way here right. on the 3FN Horror Show. Until then, make sure you're checking out 3FN Rewind. We just launched that. It's going to be awesome. And also, hopefully, if you're on this channel, you're checking out the flagship 3FN podcast where we mostly talk about new movies, but we do have to, we do go back and dabble in some older movies when there's nothing that's tickling our fancy. So that's why we have Rewind and Horror Show, so we can go back in time and cover them all. Well, there's a lot of content from us to you on 3FN network of podcasting. Just find it. You obviously, if you're listening to this, you know how to find it. Hopefully, you're listening to all the shows. Well, with that being said, for myself and Ron, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And if you uh, ever run into somebody who's saying, Billy, eat your pussy, eat your pussy, you might want to be careful because they might be in your house calling you. And be careful of things that go boom in the night.